Welcome to We Got This Covered's Cinemaholics, the weekly movie review talk show where critics and fans finally unite to discuss the biggest and best films coming to theaters. We're not just fans, we're not just critics, we're Cinemaholics. Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the official podcast of WeGotThisCovered.com. I'm John Negroni from the Internet, California. And from the internet, Pennsylvania, he's riding an elephant during the third act for inexplicable reasons. Please welcome Will Ashton. Hello, hello. And from the broadband basement, he's also riding an elephant during the third act for inexplicable reasons, <laughs> but made even more inexplicable because he's doing it in song. Please welcome Maverick Hines. I did not see that movie, so I <laughs> yes. don't understand the reference. We're talking about... I didn't even... Well, we're talking about Jumanji, Welcome to the Juggle, and The Greatest Showman, two movies where the main character, or one of the main characters, is riding on an elephant in the third act for no good reason. Good. So... Yeah. I'm yeah. into it. Minor spoiler there. I didn't even make that connection until you pointed it out. I couldn't look away the from name. the screen when I saw it in Jumanji, because yeah. I had seen Showman before that, but... Right. Yeah. So... Yeah, it is a weird coincidence. <laughs> yeah, you say it's a coincidence, I don't know. I think it's all conspiracy, but... We're doing yeah. this episode a little early for you all because of the holidays, and also because these two movies, uh, they actually came out early. Uh, they, they're releasing on Wednesday, December 20th, instead of, well, I guess technically their, their release date is this weekend, but uh, you're able to see them in wide release uh, today and onward. We're recording this on Wednesday, so... We're going to be talking about those movies and a few more. We're also going to be talking about Call Me By Your Name, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Three Billboards, Outside Ebbing, Missouri, and more. Uh, it's going to be a good episode. And uh, pretty soon after we talked about Star Wars The Last Jedi uh, not too long ago. So I don't know about you guys. I'm still feeling kind of like I'm recovering from that episode. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Just drained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Been seeing a lot of films this week and uh, it's that time of the year and uh it, it, it's hard to fit all of the films that we see into like one episode, but hopefully that means that we'll have a whole month of January of good content for you guys. That said, let's talk about Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. As we've alluded to, th- this is a movie that uh, is coming out like at the same time as The Greatest Showman, so it's kind of hard to pick one over the other as a featured review. But we did think a lot of people are going to be interested in Jumanji because, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but the idea of watching a movie about... I, I, I watched the Jumanji movie in 1995. This is like a reboot sequel of that. I, I definitely have more like brand recognition with that than I do the P.T. Barnum story. Um, we'll get yeah. into that because uh, that's a big can of worms. But as I mentioned, uh, this is a reboot sequel. It is, it's a comedy with a lot of action and adventure. It was directed by Jake Kasdan, uh, who also wrote the film along with Chris McKenna. Uh, McKenna, who you may know from, uh, he did some work with Community, one of my favorite shows. And uh, Jake Kasdan is actually uh, the son of Lawrence Kasdan. And uh, the only movie, oh. the only movie I know from Jake Kasdan is uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Yeah, yeah. He also did Sex Tape, and uh, he also did a movie I liked a lot that no one has seen with David Duchovny called The TV Set. That's actually really funny commentary on uh, the state of like a TV show and how like a creator can lose what they initially envisioned in a show. I would say if you ever get a chance, check it out because it's very uh, underrated. Uh, I'd say you can skip sex tape. Uh, that's a pretty safe yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Kasdan, uh, definitely not a stranger to high concept kind of movies. And that's exactly what Welcome to the Jungle is. Uh, the story is it picks up 
not well, not really 20 years after the original. We actually start in 1996, and Jumanji uh, during the 90s goes from being a board game that comes to life and becomes a video game that comes to life. And 20 years later, a bunch of uh, Breakfast Club rejects uh, who are in detention <laughs> get sucked into the video game world of Jumanji. And from then on, it becomes a, a video game movie where they inherit the avatars of characters that are like opposite of themselves. Uh, we see like the, you know, kind of fierce, the cowardly nerd played by Alex Wolf becomes the rock Dwayne Johnson. Uh, so he has to learn how to become fearless. He has to learn how to say, let's save the world. <laughs> That's right. He, he has a smolder that uh, would make the characters entangled proud. Uh, we also have uh, a young girl who's like an Instagram, you know, self-absorbed kind of character. She uh, she gets sucked into the game and then becomes, uh, well, Jack Black. Uh, so <laughs> that's a little funny turn of events there. So definitely not like a, she's like has to use her head and she, you know, becomes a cartographer. And uh, then the big jock character, the guy who's on the football team, he becomes Kevin Hart and this kind of short sidekick type. And uh, the kind of timid girl becomes Karen Gillan, who is literally labeled killer of men. Um, so Ruby Roundhouse or something like that. Ruby Roundhouse. Yeah. yeah. So that's just like a little taste of uh, the craziness of this movie from Sony. Uh, the full last, the full cast uh, includes uh, Nick Jonas is in this as well. And Bobby Cannavale uh, and a lot of other familiar faces you're going to see. Uh, and so, yeah, getting into it, Will Ashton, what, what did you think of Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle? Get, share your thoughts. And first, what did you think of the 1995 original? Uh, how long ago was it that you've seen it? It's funny you ask that, John, because uh, I first saw it, I think, I want to say like around like the late 90s. So I would have been, I don't know, maybe like six or seven when I first saw it. So I definitely remember seeing it. I definitely remember like the kid version of Rob Williams, like getting sucked into the game and like all the animals running on the street. But I didn't really remember much about the core concept or anything in particular. So I rewatched it on Monday before I saw the new Jumanji. And uh, overall, I mean, I think it holds up okay. There is definitely a lot more like schlock value to it than there was in the 90s because the special effects are very dated now. It's like a mix of CG and practical effects and uh you know the CG obviously hasn't aged super great and the practical effects are very obvious like there's one scene where Robin Williams is like on a crocodile and it just looks like he's on like a old like uh dizzy ride basically <laughs> just like running around that yeah uh but you know it does have a sincerity and a charm to it that I do think works and I was telling you about this off the air but I think what really holds that movie together is Robin Williams because he brings a liveliness and a sense of uh, earnest, well, not maybe earnestness, but like, uh, I'm trying to think what the right word is, but he, he makes the character feel much more alive than he probably was in the script. He has a lot of uh, charisma because, in that movie, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. He, has, he brings a lot of charisma to the role, and I think does wonders to actually make you invest in it, because otherwise, when he's not really in the film, it's mostly a flat film. It's not it's kind of clunky and how it puts its exposition to it. And overall it doesn't really flow. It, it, it kind of weaves and woes a lot, but and it's uh, kind of you know, dark, it, we should say. Yeah. 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 Definitely. The, fir the first like 15 minutes, especially are really dark, <laughs> which uh, I don't know if that's for the better or for the worse, but yeah, you're totally right about that. But uh, yeah, overall, like I said, 
an all right film. I think as far as like nostalgic rewatches go, it's certainly not the worst film I've revisited from my childhood, but it's definitely not the best either. I do think it's so, weird that it has this kind of status as like people remember it and like it's it should be more forgettable than it is, but maybe it's because it's Robin yeah. Williams. That's not the case. I think that's exactly it. Yeah, because um, I'm really nervous to revisit like Space Jam because I know that movie probably does not hold up at all. Uh, Counterpoint: but that's a movie It that's, does. Does it really? I don't know. I I always get a kick out of it. By all accounts, I've heard it does not hold up. So I'm really nervous to have my childhood envisionments of the film tampered with. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, not the best of the films from the 90s, but it's definitely also it's worth noting. It's very much a film from the 90s, a sense that there's a casual sense of anarchy about it that is not really found in a lot of movies like after 9-11 where they it got a lot more dour and things were a lot more grounded. Like this movie just like the city's falling apart and people are like just running around, but it's kind of it's still very goofy and silly. Yeah. So, yeah. It's it's a weird movie to rewatch in that sense, but going into Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle, I had kind of the similar mixed feelings towards it because I think the general concept of a movie is okay. I mean, I think it's pretty clever for the most part as far as how it incorporates a more modern take on the board game. Cause I don't think unless you have a podcast where you play like Dungeons and Dragons, you don't really see a lot of people playing board games these days. So they're smart to try it, to kind of do it in the video game sense, but it doesn't really feel super forced. I think they get a lot of comedic value out of what they can do with the comedy as far as the video game stuff. But the thing that kind of bugs me is that, I think it's funny, like like the premise you're establishing with all the different personalities being the exact opposite body types. But the weird thing is that the humans that they are are super flat already. So like they're not even that fleshed out compared to their avatars, who are on paper a lot more written than the actual people. So I mean, I think like Jack Black's character is kind of one note. I think he gets some of the bigger laughs, but at the same time, there's not really much he can do beyond like 30 minutes of material with that and i think it's another film where the charisma of the cast is very much dependent on carrying a lot of it but i don't know it just felt like an okay movie like i don't really have any strong feelings about it one way or the other it's just okay the action's better than i expected i think jake caston actually has more flair as a blockbuster filmmaker than i expected considering he has mostly just raunchy comedies on his filmography but uh yeah no it's not it's it's one of those movies i'm gonna see and forget about and by the time we get into 2018 so i'm not really fond of it and i think it's gonna be another film like jumanji where it might live on in some kids eyes but i don't think i'm gonna have a special place for it really Hmm. interesting interesting i uh i i i'm also like very conflicted with this movie and i think uh i don't think i'm the right person to go next i think maverick i want to hear you because uh I know uh, watching the movie with you, you had some strong opinions and uh, you let me know them <laughs> as we were going. Can I say real quick though, uh, what was the, your theater like, Will? Because we, we, our theater, I don't remember a lot of laughs at all. Yeah, actually, uh, I think there were two. Pretty quiet. Like and one or two moments. Um, it wasn't my kind of humor, but I kind of thought like the comedy was genuinely okay, but I, I don't, there were a lot of kids in our theater. There were a lot of adults too. It was a mix and people just didn't seem to respond to it. Well, my theater going actually I had a pretty small audience for this surprisingly, maybe because I saw it at a screening, but uh, it, it it was mixed. I mean, some people laughed at some moments, mostly with Jack Black, but it was kind of silent, like you said. Except 
there was one lady in the very very back and i don't know like if this is something like personal for her or what but the scene when they uh have like they're with the snake and like kevin hart has to like pull like the fangs out she was like laughing for like two whole minutes hmm. like she was like getting She's ready like, to pass i did out. that i i had to do the same I, like thing like i said i don't <laughs> I don't know, like, there was just something about that scene that, like, cracked this lady up, like, harder than I've ever seen I anyone laugh in the theater I wonder if it was the, the staring thing. I don't know. I can't I don't think it was, because I think she was, like, laughing really hard after wow. that. Wow. All right. Well, so I don't, that's what I thought at first, too, but it was, like, it was, like, around the scene where Kevin Hart, like, pulls, like, the teeth out of the snake. So I'm guessing that was, like, something, like, maybe, like, she had some weird experience with, like, her friends and a snake, and that, like, just reminded her of it. You should have talked to her after because, the movie. Like, this is what you're here yeah, for. Yeah, I guess, because I... I don't know, like, I've never seen the movie Money Pit, but I know, like, my dad considers that, like, one of the funniest movies ever, because it reminds him a lot of his his brother when he tried to fix his house. So maybe just some people bring some personal stuff to films that, like, makes them laugh harder than the actual comedy deserves. Hmm. But in that case, that was, like, the one moment where I remember someone was, like, dying laughing. But, yeah, for the most part, everything was pretty pretty uh mellow i don't know well because i played a lot of video games and you know i don't know none of that humor really worked on me but maverick hines uh where are you at with the movie um i wasn't that excited going into it i had very low expectations and i felt like i was still kind of (laughs) disappointed like and i have to be uh, like this isn't one of those times where i'm gonna be like oh this movie was the worst thing i ever seen like i'm not gonna hate on the movie it's just like it was a little bit worse than what I thought it was going to be. Um, but I just didn't think that much of it to begin with. So, um, I don't know. I was, there were a couple of times where I looked at John, I was like, this is a kid's movie because like, I feel like a lot of the movie was just about Jack Black's penis and how like it was a girl's right. body and in, inside of Jack Black's body or a girl inside of Jack Black's body. And there's like, a lot of swearing. There was a lot of like, there's some gore. It, it definitely wasn't, it wasn't something I think that really caters to children, but children are going to watch. Uh, well, that, I mean, that was most of the audience for where we were. It was a lot of families yeah, and like really? we were sitting next to kids. So <laughs> they were yeah. like, Oh, it's the guy from Moana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's worth um, it's worth noting that this movie is actually PG thirteen and not PG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which uh, I did not expect, but I found that kind of surprising going in that they went for the full PG thirteen. I'm glad they did. And uh, I don't know because it's a weird thing about this movie is that I think it's also it's worth noting that it's not a direct reboot nor is it a direct sequel. It's like something in between the two. So it's kind of it's a re-equal. trying to appeal. Yeah, yeah, essentially. It's appealing to like the nostalgic millennials that we were talking about, but also they're trying to bring in these families that have never really heard about the original Jumanji movie, which is probably the smart way to approach it. But yeah, it, it does end up in this weird PG-13 zone where it's not super kid friendly, but it's not like pushing the sex comedy far enough that like the teenagers will be super. And into also, it. yeah, it's not like a serious film either. So like yeah. the millennials like us who probably do would prefer you know darker weirder films uh it's not for us and it but it also i don't i, I think you just have to be like a preteen to really get a lot out of this i don't know yeah i mean even the yeah, way they like, portray like the the instagram girl it's like it's it's super unrealistic that's for what how, i think like a 10 year old would think yeah is exactly funny about that yeah. yeah and so yeah it just to me it felt like a lot of the you know, the middle part, the meat of the movie where they're in the avatar bodies was just about Jack Black having a penis and Kevin Hart being short. Like that was the movie for me. And it's just, Oh, don't forget what the rock had muscles. Yes. The mm-hmm. rock is the rock he and did. he is strong. And Karen Gillian had a short outfit. She did. She was a woman <laughs> who was attractive and that was her role in this movie, which is unfortunate right. because 
she probably deserves more than that. <laughs> um, she does, yeah. Um, so yeah, this I, it's just just there's not a lot of complexity to this. There's not a lot of really anything yep. to this movie. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I I feel like I always sound like a hater, and I'm trying really hard not to, but. There just wasn't much to it. Well, you know, and like there, like I said, there were a couple moments where I laughed. Um, I laughed because you know, like there are some okay funny moments, but like as far as the story goes, I could not care less about like what this movie was about. I was just yeah. like, I think I was more so like once we started getting into it, just kind of like it was like a social experiment for me, where I was just like, who are the people watching this movie with me? Like, who's enjoying <laughs> this right now? Like, where am I? <laughs> Next, we're going to watch Hey Arnold, the jungle movie, because <laughs> yeah. that's the oh, other boy. for this target audience. So, yeah. So, yeah, so that's where I'm at. Like, I, I'm not like mad at the movie. I'm not, you know, like it's not like one of those times where I'm like, oh, that was a waste of my life or whatever, but like definitely wouldn't see it again. I think Will said it pretty well. Like, it's something I saw. I'm going to forget about it in a few weeks and it was a movie hmm. i was in a seat for an hour and a half I, i'm curious yeah. if i'm gonna forget about this movie i don't know there there are parts of it that stuck out to me but yeah it could be one of those cases where i'm like wait what was that what was the point of that yeah oh you say something well the rock is strong <laughs> yeah no i was just gonna say i mean i can understand where you're coming from maverick because like it's not really an easy film to hate because it's not there's not enough in here that's like outright bad but there's not enough here that's like worth it to make it like a decent rental or anything. It's, it's yeah. a weird, very weird. It's a very weird, like in between zone where like, if someone were to come up to me and be like, Hey, I'm going to go see Jumanji. I'd be like, okay. I mean, you could certainly see a better movie out right now, but like, if you were to like try to see something with like your friends and you're 13, I guess it's like, okay. I mean, yeah, I think, I think yeah. there are, are better I'd see star Wars before it, but I was going to say, I think there are better bad movies to watch with your friends than better this. Bad you know what I mean? Like happy death day yeah. would be a much more fun, like bad movie to watch with your friends than something Which, like this. Uh, I still don't think that's a bad movie, but okay. <laughs> I, I like that movie better than Jumanji because, but that's the thing. I wasn't miserable during Jumanji. I wasn't. Same. Uh, that, yeah. yeah like, I'm not trying to say that I was, it's just like, I didn't care. You know what it is? Jumanji. Right. Welcome to the jungle. It's frosted flakes. Like, it's not as bland as, like, brand cereal, right? Or, like, corn flakes or whatever. It's got yeah. something to it, but, like, but you're still, like, you're eating cereal. Like, Man. you're eating Frosted Flakes. You're not... What a metaphor. They're not Cocoa Krispies. Are you a writer? They're not Fruit Loops. <laughs> no, but, like, you know what I mean? It's just, like, it's it feels yeah. kind of empty, and it, it's so by the numbers, this movie. I mean... I, yeah. I think that the reason you can't hate it is because that like it is tight, like everything connects and like they do a good job of like building this fantasy world and making a bunch of rules, sticking to them and just going on a little adventure with some of these characters. The movie doesn't make any like fatal flaws with its own logic. I mean, there are a couple of plot holes here and there, a couple of like, why is that a thing? And a few unresolved things in my opinion, but like, it, it makes sense. And like every character learns something. Uh, a couple of the lessons are interesting. The only thing in the movie that I even, I cared about, honestly, was the, uh, the relationship between the two girl characters, uh, Bethany and Martha. Uh, Martha. Um, it was it hard to like hear the, the word Martha though, because of... of BVS, but like, who's over there? Martha? Martha? Yo, how'd you say that name? Uh, but no, like these are two female characters who, it was an interesting dynamic. We don't see a lot. Uh, we don't see like the popular girl and the kind of like Ali Sheedy character who's kind of like the social outcast. We don't see them yeah. interact much in movies and like they kind of both have equal say in like 
you're judgmental and a jerk and no, but you're like self-absorbed and like you kind of watch how they help each other out. And to me, that was so much more interesting than a lot of the other character relationships. And so that, that was the only thing in the movie that my like my ears perked up a little bit and I was kind of like, oh, yeah. The, one, a few of the things I did not like about this movie at all, I, I just did not dig the high school characters. I think budget Nat Wolf, first of all, like I know it's Nat Wolf's younger brother, Alex Wolf. Which is probably like which is why you were watching it and you're like, have I seen that guy before? But only sort of. I, I, Alex Wolf is fine. It's just that like, I, whenever the high school characters were like themselves, I just did not care. Uh, I just I, I just did not dig their whole thing. I don't like their characters, but I didn't mind the actors. I actually think I think I like Alex Wolf more than that Wolf. Maybe just because I still have Death Note on my mind. I, I just I think- like both, but. I think Alex Wolf's a slightly better actor. I think he's a little more natural than Nat Wolf, but I mean, I don't think any of them are like the next great American actor. No, anything, the, and of course, the movie really belongs to Dwayne Johnson and and Gillen sure. and Kevin Hart, and I, I think they're all fine. Like, I, it's a movie that just—it's just a movie that just, you know it flows, it does its thing, and you're done with it. Uh, there's interesting stuff here, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if people got a lot out of it because. If you really love video game lore and if you really like the old Jumanji movie, you're probably going to like this one. Uh, it's just, I, I just had a hard time in certain points just being like, I, I guess I guess my big problem is that sometimes the rules didn't really make sense to me. I don't know about you guys. Like there were just certain moments when like, like if you die, the the way that like people like come back and like there some of that was a little inconsistent. It was like, how do you know this character is going to be there? Like they make certain plans at certain points that are like, that would make the Joker from the dark Knight be like, that's a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. You know what I mean? So other than that though, it's fine. It's a fine movie. Yeah. I mean, I think you made a good point in saying that, like, I don't think a, the main four actors were completely wasted, which is, I think, a big reason why I didn't feel that mad about the movie. They all like, have think, good moments between the four of them. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, I think they at least have like a moment or at least something that made me chuckle or something. And a big thing I did like is that I think it reigned in uh, or reeled in Kevin Hart enough where he didn't like steal a show. Because yeah. the big thing about Kevin Hart movies is that like they just let him go and he just like you know goes erratic and just like takes up the whole movie. That was something that kind of bugged me though because like. They reined him in a little bit, but like there were points where you're like, this this guy's supposed to be this character named Fridge, and Fridge does not act like Kevin Hart. Right. So, but I mean, he's under a stressful situation, so I kind of I get where you're coming from, but like considering that like he would be the one that's kind of freaking out because his his guy is like the weakest one. I could kind of just get where you're going from, where he's coming from, but yeah, you make a good point. I don't there. know. All right. Well, I'll count what I said before as my final thoughts. Uh, Really, it's it's pretty middle of the road, but there's enough. There's a couple of nice little things. So for me, it's uh, it's a C plus. What about you, Mav? Uh, I, I'm gonna leave it just as a basic C for me. It's sure. just it's just there. I think yeah, like you said, somebody will probably get something out of this, and it's not the kind of movie where you're gonna leave and be like, man, that was awful. But you're also not gonna probably love it too much. So just a basic C for me. Yeah, it's a C for Cannavale, the villain. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a C plus as well, John. I just think it's just super okay. Like, it's not even a movie I like feel that passionately about one way or the other. It's just a, it's just a C plus in every sense. Like, they, it's competent enough, but it doesn't excel in any one way or the other. And I'd kind of like to see these actors do something more substantial as a cast, but 
same time, I didn't feel like they were wasted, like I said. And I think Jack Black, I got some solid laughs out of him, even though his character was super flat and stuff. So for me, yeah, C+. Plus. That's where I stand. Well, uh, we're... We gave it kind of, I don't know if those were really passing grades, but critics seem to be okay with this film as well. And it's got a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is uh, pretty good. And uh, our very own, um, make sure I got the critic right, Matt Donato. Our very own Matt Donato reviewed the film. And he he liked the film a lot. He gave it four out of five stars. Uh, so Jeez. you can read his review if you want a different take. Uh, he said, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle is both a fulfilling reinvention and adventurous video game quest that's far funnier and unexpectedly exciting than you could hope for from an evolved reboot with explosive fantasy character. I, I don't agree, but I love Matt Donato, yeah. so uh, you should go check out his review. It's uh, pretty good. All right. Cool. With that, let's get into our second big review of the episode, The Greatest Showman. Which, uh, sorry, Maverick Hines, you haven't seen this one, but we'll do our best not to spoil you because I know you're you're just waiting. Spoil away. <laughs> um, He's all about that circus musical. Yes. So the Greatest Showman is wow. Uh, it's based on a musical that I believe already exists. I want to say. Uh, well, no, it's uh, it's the second original P.T. Barnuman musical, or at least the second I know about. There was one in the '80s called Barnuman. Yeah, so apparently it's really difficult, yeah, to make anything about P.T. Barnum because the the people, the family that owns the rights are very protective of his character and the history behind this guy. But for those of you who don't know who P.T. Barnum is, he's known for essentially inventing the uh, the, the idea of a circus, a three-ring circus. Um, he, of course, started the Barnum and Bailey Circus. Uh, the idea of like a ringleader and elephants and trapeze artists and this musical uh, chronicles his life, uh, how he started this, how he got to this um, place where he was uniting some of like these downtrodden people who were considered freaks and found a way to sort of celebrate their talents in order to uh, make money. Um for those of you who don't know, I, th- this was a really hard song for me to, or a song. This is a really hard movie for me to watch just because if you know anything about the history of P.T. Barnum, and it's not hard to find like yeah. out anything about this guy, like he's not a good person. Like he just wasn't. He did really terrible things. Uh, he's obviously very famous, but I mean, this guy, we don't have to talk about it because we, we sort of have to judge this as a movie. And it really bugs me because a lot of the enjoyment I think I could have had with this movie was inhibited by me watching it and being like, that's BS, that's BS, that's BS, right. you know? And like, there, on the one hand, I get that they couldn't do, that's not the kind of movie that they wanted to make, but part of me also was like, can you just make a fictional movie inspired by people like P.T. Barnum? I don't know. That's a different conversation, sure. Will. That said, uh, the movie was uh, directed by Michael Gracie, and uh, it really is a film that Hugh Jackman has been trying to get off the ground for years. It's it, and the movie belongs to him. Uh, he stars as P.T. Barnum uh, alongside Zac Efron, Michelle Williams, Rebecca Ferguson, Zendaya, uh, and then some other familiar faces. And this is a film from 20th Century Fox. Didn't cost a lot of money to make, and I think it's going to be a decent hit. Uh, you know, I think it'll at least you know, make a profit, but Will Ashton, starting with you, what, what do you think of this movie? I'm, I'm really curious to find out wh- where you're at. Yeah, this is one, I, I saw this like a, about a week or two ago and I could not talk about it like really at all until today, which is basically a sign of how confident 20th Century Fox is about this movie, especially considering the fact that there was like no real buzz for this movie and like they put it in the heat, like 
just around Christmas. So it's not like they had high hopes for one point and then it just kind of fell through and they just were hoping to recoup their uh, funds at some point. But yeah, I don't know. It, it, I feel bad for the listeners because it's going to be one of those episodes where we're just talking about two movies that are just okay. At least in my opinion, this movie is just Until we get okay. to mini reviews because there's some good stuff yeah, in that. Yeah, of course. But yeah, I mean, I think you said a lot of my complaints. I mean, Bar- uh, P.T. Barnum is such a complex person because like you said he is someone who employed a lot of people who were not employed and he brought all this entertainment and joy to all these people but at the same time he's not that good of a guy he did a lot of bad things a lot of shady things and i think that is the foundation for an interesting biopic yeah you know i mean I'd love to see I that think especially in trump era like he i mean i was thinking about this when i was writing my review he does have kind of some similar shades to trump he was a politician at one point uh and i think you can make a good biopic about P.T. Barman, but this is not really it because, like you said, it's just super glossed over and glitzy and glamorous, and it's just everything feels aggrandized to the point where it has nothing of real substantial value. And, I mean, that's fine. I mean, I guess I would assume that's what he would want. He would want a big spectacle. You know, he, he's a guy, you know, used to always say there's a sucker born every day. He'd want something that's just insubstantial. But for me, someone who's just going in expecting something you know i can connect to it it just feels a little shallow and i don't know to me the songs were okay like i there are a couple songs i really did like but this movie kind of felt like an accessory to the soundtrack like it didn't like compared to like la la land which is a new original musical that was a movie i think of as a musical like it's a story i could connect to those characters and stuff i know a lot of people have a lot of issues with la la land but i don't think of that as just like a soundtrack that became a movie like i think that stands on its own as a film. Whereas the story of uh, the greatest showman is it, it's, it's really kind of by the numbers, the same way that Jumanji is, you know, you just, you kind of go through the ropes, you get the typical rise and fall. It's basically your American dream fable with more song and, and dancing. And like you said, I mean, Hugh Jackman does a very fine job. You can tell that this was his passion project for close to a decade, maybe more, but you know, I mean, it's not like he's like an Oscar worthy performance necessarily. I mean, he's okay. I mean, he did a good job, but I think I'd say the same about most of the cast, except I will say Zendaya is like a true like star in the making. I think she is really going to get big after this year. I don't know if you feel the same way. But oh, I, think, I couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah, she's like a natural the star. The more like, people I, are I'm, giving her to do too, because she was underutilized in Spider-Man Homecoming, and but she was arguably right. one of the secret weapons of that movie. But I mean, every time she's on screen, that, like the screen just lights up. Like she just has it. She has that it's it star power. And yeah, I mean, Zac Efron was pretty good too. I, I really liked uh, his musical number with Hugh Jackman, The Bar. I thought that was a really chore- well choreographed scene. I liked his uh, uh, his number with Zendaya. Uh, yeah, that was a I good was, one like, too. Rewrite the stars. Legitimately, like impressed with that. Like I was kind of like, how yeah. did they do this? And like it was, I thought that was actually legitimately stunning. Yeah, I was gonna say those two songs and. Uh, this is me, which is you know obviously the one they basically oh, give yeah, wrapped the to the Oscars. Stopper. Yeah, I mean that's the one you could tell. Like as I was watching, I'm just like I can see the Oscar you know musical number as I'm watching. Well, this. the actress who plays you the know, bearded that- lady really owns that scene and that whole number, yeah. and she is just like I'd want to say she's a star in the making too. I'd I'd love to sure. see more from her because and I don't yeah. know her name, but I mean she just she she just like is a powerhouse in this movie and right. another secret weapon. Um, that actually, that scene reminded me a lot of like Jennifer Hudson scene in Dreamgirls, mm. where she just gets the whole show and you know she just sells the hell out of it. 
Uh, but yeah, besides those three songs, nothing really stands out to me. The rest of the movie kind of blurs in my mind. Hmm. And like, I don't know. I mean, like I said, it's mostly a shallow experience for me. And considering that P.T. Barman is such a nuanced guy who's not that great, considering the movie is setting a wrong image for people as far as what he was, who he was and what he was about, it does seem like this movie is kind of destructive in a way that it probably shouldn't have been. So, like I said, I don't know. It's okay, but at the same time, I can't really support it. Yeah, I... It, it, this is really tough for me because this movie should be one of my favorite movies. Like there's, it has so many things in it that are for me as a person, because like, I honestly think that if you're a big fan of things like Moulin Rouge and La La Land, which I'm uh, not, which are movies that just wear their musical, you know, notes on their sleeves. And, and that's me. I, I love musicals like those two. I don't love all musicals. I, I honestly think that this is a lot. This movie is better than Les Mis, which is Hugh Jackman's other, you know, blockbuster musical. And I, I yeah. really didn't care for that film, uh, but I did care for Hugh Jackman in it. He is a person who has always been an amazing theater presence, a guy who can just he he's done a lot of plays. He has an amazing singing voice, and he he. There's a reason he wanted to make this movie. There's a reason he wanted to be P.T. Barnum. He fits it, like uh, he fits it like he fits Wolverine. I mean, it's he, Hugh Jackman just has a really good self awareness. I think that a lot of actors just don't. Whereas he he tends right. to pick roles that you know he can just easily slide into, and I think that speaks a yeah. lot to his acting prowess. And he just has good business sense. That said, I think Greatest Showman is see Greatest Showman is the kind of movie that I I heartily recommend to like my family like i would recommend this movie to who my parents uh to kids to like lots of people that i know because it has that like broad universal appeal and but it, it also really disturbs me because it's a movie that counts on your ignorance because if you go into it not really knowing much about pt barnum the person i think it can be really easy to just enjoy it and i think some people will be able to enjoy it even if they're like yeah yeah pt pt barnum took advantage of people and like straight up abuse toward the like you yeah. know the strange people that he like gave jobs to held them captive absolutely but a lot of people will be like well you know it's whatever this is this is over 100 years later it's kind of like complaining about a movie about julius caesar being like a musical it's like yeah you can point to you know these sort of like high concept movies and it's it's a really tough line that this movie straddles because like has it been that long (laughs) you know like and when the message of the movie is like trying to make this guy out as a hero it's it's weird but as far as like if you take this movie as its own self-contained thing uh it it does it it does what it sets out to do it's it's about a guy it's about a guy who tries to reckon with fame and, and how it, his family deals with it. Uh, I actually will. I, I think I like this movie a bit more than you do, mainly because the music completely worked for me. I, I love the music in this. And uh, I was, I was definitely, I, I definitely was, went in with high expectations because I knew it was the same, same lyricist who worked on La La Land. So I was really expecting something good. And I, I went into it, not expecting to like the music. And, there was there was something about the music that was hard to get used to. It did feel really like poppy and overproduced yeah. at certain points. Definitely. Yeah, um, I so I didn't I didn't love every single beat of every refrain, but there were a couple of there were a couple of songs that kind of like pushed past that almost to the point where I I wish that there was like a 
an alternate soundtrack where they took the same songs and maybe like redid them uh, because the lyrics and like the melodies themselves are really good. There were just some moments when they would just introduce like top 40. It's like a top 40 filter yeah. almost. If you take that out, I mean, this, this is like easily one of the strongest, you know, soundtracks in years. And I, I can, I was humming along like, and I was leaving the theater really itching to listen to the soundtrack. Uh, and that, that for me kind of made this movie a lot better than, uh, I think it would have been otherwise. I have plenty of issues with this movie. I, I, it, it would, it would be a lot to get into mainly. Uh, I, I think that the, I think that it squanders a lot of certain characters. And I think, again, there is just a scene where somebody's riding ele- an elephant and it's never explained why. And it shouldn't have happened. And it's a part of the movie that doesn't make any sense. And you're just like, this is weird. This is not a... This... What? He wants to put on a show. (laughs) He should be wanting to put on a great show. Um, That's all I really have to say about The Greatest Showman. I don't think we disagree too much, Will. But yeah, it sounds like I liked certain things a little bit better than you. Yeah. I mean, I'm sounding more negative than I actually am. I think this would be one I'd recommend to like... I I don't mean this in a dismissive way, but like I'd recommend it to like theater nerds. Like, people who really like productions of musicals. Because it's, like, a film that's, like... It's clear they put a lot of effort into this movie. Like, a lot of time was spent on it. They they really, like, belted their hearts out and did that. I think for people who just like good musical productions, it's okay. I mean, like... At least the soundtrack. I said at least the soundtrack. And I think you're going to say it's nice seeing some of the original. But, you know, like, I mean, like, there's obviously people who can't go to, like, Broadway in New York. And they want to see, like, an original musical. And in that sense, like, it's okay. But I just feel like you could certainly do a lot better. It just, I just wish I had more of an opinion on the film itself. Cause it kind of same like Jumanji. It just like, it's okay. That's really where I stand on it. I just feel like considering how much time and passion Hugh Jackman put into this and how many years he's like fought up. Like I heard today at one point that like, I guess he turned down the role of James Bond so he can make this movie. And I just don't think it was really worth, you know, like doing that for the final product. Wow. But wasn't it though? Maybe, I, don't I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, I'm He's glad not he got the number he, one he made pick the... for Bond, personally. Yeah, it, it would be weird to have an Australian in the role as yeah. opposed to a Brit. But uh, well, yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, I mean, we've I'm had Scottish, young... we've had Irish. I don't know. I don't think, I think... Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. I was gonna say. I mean, I'm glad they got to make the movie they wanted to make. I just wish it was a little better. You know, and like you said, I kind of wish Hugh Jackman was in like a definitively good movie. I mean, I, I think I actually like Les Mis a little more than you do. But that movie does have a lot of problems. I don't think it has a lot of rewatch value. No, but definitely not. Uh, you know, and you know, tying this back to Jumanji again, I was thinking about this. Like Jack Black is someone with like great musicality to him, but like for some reason Hollywood has not done a musical with him, except for when he made Tenacious D, the movie, which wasn't. No, we were just that talking great. about that today. Not but uh, I think, I think Hugh Jackman and Jack Black, the two Jacks. Just get together and make a musical. Yeah, that's ju- my pitch to Hollywood. For Jack and Jackman. Yeah, Jack and Jackman. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, other than that, I'd, I'd say the big difference, though, at least Jumanji has like a climax. Uh, this movie actually doesn't. There is no climax. Uh, there's only like everything gets worse and then there's resolution. Yeah. Right. I, I don't know. That's that's getting Basically. into a different conversation, but I did think. Uh, I think it's weird that there's a scene where a critic talks to the main character and basically says like this movie is not for critics it's for fans and i tasha robinson pointed that i literally was like if only anton ego could come in and just rip both those guys a new one um it it was the anti 
up, <laughs> you know, like the anti-Pixar right. in that respect. Uh, you mean the anti-Ratatouille? That, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, oh, Dave's I said up trying. instead of Ratatouille. Still. Um, because, well, I, you know why I was thinking of up? Because they try to do, they try to do an up montage as well. Uh, they, they have like a whole thing where you're watching uh, Hugh Jackman and Michelle Williams like go through like their love life from like kids to adults. And the whole time I'm like, all right, somebody watched up and was like, oh, I bet we could do that. And except she lives. It's a good song. But, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we're actually more or less on the same page with this one. But, you know, I mean, it's kind of same with Jumanji. Like if someone wanted to see it and they saw it, I mean, I wouldn't be mad. But I think there are better things out there than both these movies. So I gave it a C plus personally. Would you give it uh, for me? I Again, yeah, I literally just a little bit more than you. I, I give it a B minus mainly because I okay. do think it has enough appeal. Uh, it's a movie I, I think that I would revisit simply because of the production numbers. And that's that's definitely a lot better than I was expecting. I was really expecting to hate this movie. Uh, and it, it really charmed me despite me wanting to hate it so much because of the subject matter. Uh, it just makes me a further upset, I guess, like that we couldn't have gotten something a little bit more pure, but uh, that's okay. It's a movie. It's doing its thing. And uh, I, I respect a lot of aspects of it. Uh, Michael Gracie, you know, he, his next project uh, is going to be, he's doing a, an adaptation of Naruto and he's doing an really? Elton John biopic. Uh, okay. Yeah. So he's got, he's, his plate noting, is full. Uh, well, I was just going to say, this is his directorial debut. He's never directed any other movies before. Right, this. right. And he's been like attached to some of the projects I just mentioned for a couple of years now. So this kind of was like a make or break moment for this guy. So Yeah. yeah. I don't think it quite got the same success that he wanted. Yeah. Well, we'll see about that uh, once we get into, I mean, uh, once we see the box office roll in. Yeah. All right. Well. That was The Greatest Showman and Jumanji, welcome to the jungle. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to be doing more reviews, uh, mini reviews for Call Me By Your Name, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and more. Uh, Don't go away. All right, welcome back. It's time to get into our mini reviews. Uh, Let's start with a movie that I, I am so glad I finally checked out. Uh, it's been on my been on my list. Call me by your name. Uh, this movie, yeah. uh, what? Oh yeah, you, you just you, you just did, yeah yeah. All right, <laughs> boo. <laughs> well, if you knew the context, I had to do it once. If you knew the context for that, Will, then uh, you'd, you'd realize that was a very strange move. But uh, oh really? <laughs> yeah. Um, call call me by your name. Uh, I, and and remind me, Will. You have you seen this one yet? No, if that didn't give it away, I haven't seen it. Okay, yet. okay. I, well, I was just going to say because uh, Chris and Lopez, who was on the show a few weeks ago when we were talking about Lady Bird, she talked about the movie a little bit. It's one of her favorites of the year. Um, but yeah, the film is by Luca Guadagino, uh, who I've never seen any of his films. Um, I know he's done some oh, really? films. Yeah, he, he. I know he's done The Protagonist and uh, A Bigger Splash and I Am Love. And yeah, uh, Tilda Swinton. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I've, I've seen I Am Love and The Bigger Splash. I didn't see the other one you mentioned. Well, uh, the the protagonist. Yeah, um, that was I think that was his first film. But uh, I I'm really looking forward to getting into his filmography because I 
I think this man is a master, uh, which we can get into. Like, uh, I'm just doing a mini review, but for those of you who don't know, this movie is based on a novel also called Call Me By Your Name from about 10 years ago. And it's actually part of a trilogy, um, which, you know, it that it's like Guadagino's trilogy, I guess. So like, you don't have to see I Am Love in a Bigger Slash to get everything out of this movie, but apparently like it's, it's the right way to go about it. Um, but yeah, the movie chronicles a romantic relationship between a 17 year old kid named, uh, Elio, who's played by Timothy Chalamet. He was also in uh, ladybird. He's Kyle, the bassist, basically Maverick. Um, yeah. Uh, in this movie, he, he's a young Italian American who is vacationing in Italy and he, you know, he, he does what all 17 year olds in Italy do. He rides his bike, never wears a shirt, goes swimming, hangs out with his friends. And uh, during the summer, his dad invites his American assistant, a guy named Oliver, played by Army Hammer. And uh, the movie, you know, really follows like how they go from friends to eventually becoming lovers. And uh, the movie takes place, I think, in the like 1983 I think it said it was either 83 or 88. Uh, it was like handwriting when they denoted the, the, the date. So I kind of missed that. But um, this movie, uh, I, I don't even know where to begin. It's the kind of movie you need to go in as blind as possible. Uh, I've given nothing away that like you don't get. Like as soon as these two guys are on screen, as soon as you're watching this movie, you understand what movie you're watching because like the chemistry between these two men is like I- insane. And the re- the big reason I want to watch more Guadagino's films is because uh, I think Alonzo Duralt said it best because I, I was listening to uh, he was doing a review of the film and he was saying how Guadagino like he he's not just a director who understands sight and sound which is normally what you ascribe to like cinema cinematic storytelling but like he also is able to evoke taste and smell and feeling and like all five senses. And that's this movie. I mean, literally the entire movie, you feel like you're, you're in this house with these characters. You feel like you can smell the food. You feel like you can feel the sun like hitting you when they're biking. And I mean, it, it's just a visceral experience. And, and that's all I can really say. It's, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. It's in my top five, uh, either top five or top six. Uh, I'm not sure where I'm going to net out, uh, but it's it's a must see, uh, and it's I, I I believe I I believe I gave it an A. I, I don't think I gave it an A minus. I don't think I could. Uh, it, it really is something else. And uh, will as soon as you catch this movie, please do. Uh, you you will not regret it. I'm definitely gonna check it out. Yeah, the only reason I haven't seen it is because it's literally not in my town right now but i think it comes in uh, mid-january maybe a little earlier so as soon as i can see it i'm definitely gonna check it out because i've heard nothing but great things i liked his other two movies so it looks like it's gonna be a winner and i'm glad you really liked it. it it's really it was really hard for me to even catch it because when i went to go see it uh it was sold out um so people were are really liking this movie and so i had to like reschedule and it was a bit of a a bit of a problem but uh, eventually yeah. did see it. Also, I just double checked. I did give the movie an A. I'm glad I did. It, it's an A movie, and I I, I don't I haven't changed my mind on that. But yeah, call me by your name. Uh, it should be rolling out into wider release over the next few weeks, and uh, this is a movie to look out for. Uh, it's a no brainer contender for the Oscars. In the meantime, I will say I have listened to the soundtrack for this movie, or at least a little bit of it, and I'm definitely in the camp 
of Sufjan Stevens winning oh my gosh. Best original song for Mysteries of Love. I mean, as much as I like the Coco song. He does song two and, songs in this. Yeah, that I, I would okay. actually agree with you, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really great song. And I'm a big Stefan Stevens fan, so if he wins an Oscar, I'm going to be a happy This is a great year for man. original songs, by the way. Um, yeah, the yeah. Briggs Me Bear theme song and the... Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> that's not going to get it. <laughs> it should. Will Ashton, uh, yeah. William Tyler. Uh, let's talk about three billboards outside. People were confused about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should uh, stress that that's my middle name, Tyler. I don't know I don't know why John does that, but if you had any questions about that, that's what's up I with think that. it's it's obvious. Uh, I <laughs> Well, if somebody asks, like, they're com- really confused about it in our Star Wars review. I don't know. I-, I think that, like, it's just a way for me to, like, reframe who you are as a person just to, like, bring us down a level and be like... Get, the knowing, get the knowing better. Yeah, yeah, let's get down to know. Earth. <laughs> Will, shed your soul for us. Um, yeah, talk yeah. about Three Billboards Outside Edding, Missouri, a film that I think we have talked about on the show it briefly before. Yeah, I saw it a few weeks ago, and I think I talked about it, but I don't think I, I well, spent a lot of time on it. You did write that piece about it. I don't know if we actually talked about it on the show. That was a very good piece, by the way, with, with uh, Mudbound 2. I think that was you, what you spoke just about. Yeah, I did kind of talk about both films. Um, they they, they kind of reminded me of each other a bit, but yeah. Yeah, so Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. I hope I got the title right. Uh, that's the new film from Martin McDowell, who is uh, the director behind In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. I get him mixed up a little bit with his brother, who did... Uh, Calvary and the guard. So yeah, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri is a pitch black dramedy. Is that fair to say dramedy? Yeah. I'd think uh, I'd say it's like heavy on the dark more so than the comedy, but it's actually still ridiculously hilarious. That's how I'd say it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the dramedy term fits. Yeah. Pitch black dramedy centered around, uh, well, cause when I'm going to describe the plot, it's not going to sound like a comedy. Mm-hmm. France McDormand plays uh, this mother in a small town, obviously Epping, Missouri, who lost her daughter about six months ago in a case where she was uh, raped and I believe like it, it, she was like set on fire at some point, I think, too. Uh, it's, was she? Uh, I must have missed that. Well, like there's like the burn outline in the grass. Uh, oh, because they would be anyway. burning up the DNA. Yeah. So but I think this it's like a, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, like a really horrible case. And she's been pleading with the local FBI to get some closure to it, you know, to find the person who did it. But they don't really have enough evidence. And so they just haven't. And, and, you know, also, this is one of those things where it's like a small town. They feel really uncomfortable about this whole thing. And so they, they like in their general scheme of things, they just like to throw everything under the rug. But she does not want that to be. Obviously, she it's her daughter. She wants closure. She knows her daughter's not coming back, but she just wants to know that there's some justice to be done. So she gets these like rundown billboards just a little bit outside of town. Like I said, the titles are just as much. Uh, and she puts, uh, ra- or, what's the first one? Do you remember? It's like raped, raped and dying. While, rape while yeah. dying. Um, uh, and still no arrests. Why chief? Yeah, still no arrests. I, I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. can't believe I remember that so well. That, that kind of tells you yeah, yeah, yeah. how good this movie is. Uh, yeah, so Chief uh, Wibbly or Wiggly, is that who it Willoughby. is? Willoughby. Um, Willoughby, there you go. That is uh, Woody Harrelson's character. And like I said, he it's not that he necessarily is ignoring the case, but he just doesn't really know what to do at this point because he wants you know to find it. He's sympathetic, but at the same time, he's not really actively searching for the person who did this. Mm-hmm. So... He is in a compromised position, and Francis McDormand doesn't really win a lot of friends by this. But there's also Sam Rockwell's character, who is basically 
a belligerent alcoholic and a huge racist who really just uh, abuses his power in every single sense. And the movie, I, I don't want to give away too much from this point, but it's definitely a movie that's trying to tap into our moral conscience and understanding that as a country right now, we're very divided and it's hard to find a medium ground on these things. And the movie, it's one I've been reflecting on a lot. I saw it on Saturday night and I actually saw it with my brother and my dad. And I think they didn't really know what to make of it. And I, I think I liked it a little more than them, but I still kind of have somewhat mixed feelings on it because I think the movie got a very good response when it first premiered at either TIFF or Toronto or one of the film festivals. But as after a point, it started to get more of a mixed response and people didn't really know how to respond to it. And some people think, I don't know, I've even heard some people say the movie is like sexist and racist. And I don't know if I quite agree with those criticisms, but it's, it's I do think provocative. the movie gets the people yeah going. that's that's the word i was going to use it's it's a very intentionally provocative film and it's a film that kind of like lets everyone get attacked essentially because like he is very fiery wit and he's very profane in his writing and so everyone has these uh you know very sharp asset aesthetic lines and uh i don't know i i think my trouble with the film is that I don't know if it quite finds a moral... I, I don't know if it quite figures it out itself out morally as much as I would like. And there are some things with the plot that I don't think... You need to kind of stretch your imagination to believe that would happen. I mean, I, I'd have to get into spoilers to explain some of the things I'm talking about. But, John, it sounds like you're a lot more favorable on the film than I was. Oh, 100%. I love this movie. I Okay. I think, and you're not alone. I, I think that a lot of the people who have issues with it, they forget... That a movie, you're not supposed to be getting a morality lesson from this movie. This is a film about real people who are broken, damaging. Like, it's about how people are like this. They are racist and belligerent drunks who do terrible things, but they still have redeeming qualities. And if you have a problem with that, sorry. Like, the movie kind of stresses that, that like justice is not something like, not like. If you really want justice, there's no guarantee that it's going to help you deal with your anger and your depression. And it's that's what the movie is. It's about how we sort through raw emotion and how it damages other people's lives. You know, we see a, an exact parallel between how Francis McDormand's character, like, it, it's an unpredictable movie. Like, I, we can't spoil anything that happens because it just takes a lot of wild turns. But her her character when she when she does something that is her sense of justice it hurts other people and in the right. same ways that she feels like that she's been hurt and and when you get to the movie being about those sorts of things i i really think it, there's something genius going on here and it's just it's a, the kind of movie that stays with you it's it stayed with me in the last like uh, it's been like 3 weeks or so uh, maybe a little yeah. bit more that since I watched it, and I, I adore this movie. I, I I really think it's great, and uh, I, I I don't know. I, I I think it's it's not an easy watch. Which, so I understand if like if you and no, like, other mean, people are, yeah, are kind of I feeling like the, a little more mixed. No, no, I I actually I, when I say mixed, I did like the movie. I just have some mixed feelings about how it approaches some things. I should have clarified. I I think. I agree where you're coming from, but I just don't know if it pulls it off quite as well as you say it does. Or at least I, I want to like the movie more than I think I actually did because I don't mind that it's uncomfortable. I think the movie should be really uncomfortable and dig into these things. But I just don't know if the movie really is that believe. Like, that's just one of those things. Like, 
I think the movie wants to be very grounded in reality. It, it does want to say something that's very relevant to our times, but I never really felt that the movie was like super realistic. There was a lot of things I found like kind of hard to believe. And I also think the movie like glosses over something or not glosses, but like, I don't know, like the way it handles some things, it's very melodramatic and it's very like over the top. And I get that it's going to be a movie, but I just don't know if that really helps its case, huh. if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think I really disagree with that. Yeah, I, I just okay. I really found it pretty grounded and realistic. And uh, but it still like as a dark comedy should, I do think it was heightened in a lot of ways. Um, but I think I felt that more of like as a realistic extension of heightened emotion than I did. It, it's a weird esoteric thing. But um, yeah, I, I'll say the the reason the the thing that really pushes this movie for me is the dialogue, and I think that's why I don't have any complaints about like anything being far fetched. Is because whenever people are talking, it's some of the sharpest, uh, most interesting, like di- some of the most sharp, right. some of the sharpest interesting dialogue I, I feel like I've heard in a while. And just Madonna is just a master at that, and for me, that's like yeah. half of it. So. No, I agree with that, and I think the dialogue is great, and also France McDormand, you know, this is probably her best performance, or at least her best role since Fargo, which, I mean, Fargo's one of my favorite movies, so that's really saying something. I think that she is given just the, like, this is just a perfect role for her, I think, the way she scowls, but, you know, she always has a layer of humanity to her. It's a really nuanced uh, role that relies a lot on her humanity. And I think she really just knocks it out. I mean, she's easily my favorite part of the movie. And, you know, I think Woody Harrelson did a really good job. And Sam Rockwell, you know, he was really good, too. Uh, I also don't want to discredit uh, Peter Dinklage is in the movie at one yeah. point. I think he... A lot of people, I think, are overlooking his performance. I think he's probably maybe my second favorite performance in the whole movie. It's, it's a small performance. No pun intended. No pun intended, uh, yeah. But it's, it, it's a... Yeah, it's a wallop. Yeah. And also, uh, Samara Weaving has a really small role in this. And I think she's probably one of the funniest characters in the whole movie. She was in The Babysitter yeah. on Netflix a couple weeks ago. She weirded and me out. She was actually one part of the movie that I did not care for, it, at least at first. Really? The first time she does her thing, I was like, get out of here. Come on. That that really? was something to me but that felt completely That's intentional, wrong. though. I think that's really funny. But like, later on, they double down on it, and then it then it becomes hilarious. So. I don't know. I thought it was I think I was just, times. I, I think I was just jarred. That's all it was. Yeah. Sure, I mean, that's understandable, but I think the movie does so many twists and turns like that, that I don't think it was, like, too jarring, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it was, it was supposed to be jarring like that, and so I think it fits. I don't know, like I said, I mean, it's a movie, I'm glad we could talk about it, because it's a movie I've been wanting to talk about with somebody for a while. Yeah. It might, I don't know, my family just didn't really want to talk about it, which I guess is kind of <laughs> I fitting. didn't want to talk about it right after I saw it, to be honest. I, I had a hard yeah. time, like, in my piece, I kind of point that out, I, I was really having an issue with the film, like, just processing it and it's it's not in my it's not in my top 20 i should say i still give it a pretty favorable grade um but yeah i i I see where you're coming from will and i i just yeah i'm glad we could talk about it too it's it's kind of venting a little bit because it it is a kind of movie that you do need to talk about it with spoilers and you can't really do that now but yeah yeah and it's a movie i think this is the response that he'd want I think he wants people to be really passionate about this movie. And I think in that sense, it is a success. And I'm going to think about this movie for a lot. And so I might be really favorable in this movie, like maybe a couple weeks when I think about it more. This is just my very, you know, raw, like ripping the bandaid off response. Just me kind of processing the movie and stuff like that. So like I said, I did like the movie. I, I, I sound more mixed than I actually am because I just 
don't know if I 100% agree with how it handles some things, but, you know, it's a movie that, like we said, provocative is really the word that's meant to be said here, and I think it succeeds in more ways than not. So, I don't know, I I, I really don't know what to give this movie as far as a grade, but I'm, I'm going to, for now, settle on a B. It might get higher later. But I'm going to go with a B. I, I gave it an A minus. Uh, I think that it's okay. uh, one of the best movies of the year. Um, okay. Cool. Moving on. Uh, I'm just going to talk very briefly about this one. Um, you know, I, I I have been not doing a great job keeping up with television uh, because it, it's just this tends to happen in December. Uh, I, I just I get so wrapped up in movies because a whole year has passed and this is the this is my time period when I start watching like everything that I missed. Uh, I watched Columbus finally, which be- has become one of oh, my yeah. favorites of the year. Um, nice. I, I watched I watched so many films uh, in the last month that like I've been dropping the ball quite a bit with my TV watching and. And also because there actually there haven't been a lot of TV shows coming out lately. I, I was kind of doing my thing because I'm going to be on a plane tomorrow for a long time. And so I like to binge watch shows whenever I'm on a plane. And I was looking for stuff and I wish I had been smart enough to uh, to wait until my plane ride to binge The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which uh, somehow in the last month of 2017 has become my favorite new show of the year. I adore this show. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, I binged all eight episodes in a day. I could not get enough of it. I kind of want to watch it again. And you know what? Two things to this. First of all, it's from uh, the same person. I forget her name. The same person who did Gilmore Girls, uh, the showrunners. Rachel something? I think it's Amy something. Is it? Oh, yeah. I think you're thinking of Rachel, uh, Rachel Bloom. Right. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You kind of get some of those... uh, some of that crossfire because Rachel Bloom, uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is another one of my favorite shows. And I, I think that the, that show shares some of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel's DNA. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel takes place in 1958. And it is the story, it's a fictional story, but it's sort of like based on some, it's inspired by some true events of some of the first mainstream female comedians, comedians. And it's about this woman named uh, Miriam slash Midge, and she's like the perfect housewife. She's played by Rachel Brosnahan from uh, House of Cards. A- yeah, yeah. And she, uh, she, she <laughs> yeah, she goes from Netflix to Amazon. And she's she's like the perfect housewife. She's been married for four years. She gives this guy two kids, and it's his dream to become a comedian. But we see in the pilot that uh, he he has some issues of his own, and not not to discount the 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 male husband dynamic in here because this is the kind of show where everybody gets a significant and important story arc but he's kind of pushed to the side and she decides that she's going to be the one she realizes that she there's something about her life and her experiences like she's always been this naturally talented stand-up person you know she gave her own toast at her wedding and so on and we sort of see her journey from this sort of like struggling housewife who is dealing with uh, a possible divorce to sh- starting up a career, um, you know, meeting Lenny Bruce along the way, uh, teaming up with a manager named Susan, uh, played by, or Susie, played by Alex Borstein, who, oh my gosh, Alex Borstein is amazing in this show. Um, and a lot of other actors, I, I forget, Tani Shaloub from uh, Monk is in this and if you've watched Gilmore Girls uh, you kind of see some of the like the ripple effect of that show onto this one it's a fast talking show but instead of um, 
Lorelai and Rory being this mother and daughter. You have a mother-daughter relationship here that's very important, but the real heart of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is just Jewish culture in New York in the 50s. And it's fascinating stuff. It's very, like, that's kind of like the Rachel Bloom, you know, you kind of feel that same DNA there. Uh, because because you just really get a sense of, like, who these people are at this point in time. Their family dynamic is, it's funny, it's heartwarming, it's emotional, it feels true to life. And very, very few shows are able to capture, like, interesting family dynamics the way this one does. And it's what keeps the movie so bingeable because you you go from like her family life to her struggling with her husband to also trying to be a stand-up comedian to this job that she gets. And I've never been so quickly sucked into a show like this, I think, because I was I was honestly hooked within like a f- the first couple of minutes. Uh, the music in this is just so much fun to this time period. As somebody who, you know, Mad Men is my favorite show of all time. And I, I, ever since I first watched Mad Men for the first time, I've just loved the '60s. I've loved like understanding more of that culture, and this one takes place right before it, and you get a lot of that sense of like just what this point in time was like. And I, I can't go on enough about this show. Please go watch it over the holidays if you can. It, it's really good stuff. Uh, it's not perfectly family friendly, but it's family friendly enough. There's only like one scene really? with nudity, but it's like really quick. It's in the pilot, yeah. But I mean, other than that, I mean, it's a pretty wholesome show with just really good lessons, like some unexpected uh, story twists, and just it, it's just a great and it's funny. It, it's as it should be. It, there's legitimately good comedy in this, and uh, I, I heartily recommend it. It. it is easily one of my favorite shows of the year, if not my favorite of the year. I was going to say, I, I found it interesting that you call it family friendly though. Cause one of the things I did hear about the show is that it's a bit jarring for fans that Gilmore girls actually hear her dialogue, but with like more, swearing. there is more swearing. Yeah. I, I yeah. kind of forgot that. <laughs> um, yeah, it really only happens during the stand-up stuff is why. Because I, when I think of the show, I don't think a lot of the stand-up. I think of a lot of like the relationships between the parents and the kids, and there isn't a lot of that then. Um, but then when she goes – it's like when she goes into this nightclub that she frequents, she kind of takes on a different persona, and that's when all of the like the raunchy stuff happens. So uh, thanks for pointing that out. So I don't want to give people the wrong impression. Sure. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I'm literally out of breath. Um, I don't know how like the characters talk that fast that much, but because uh, I definitely can't don't do the same. Don't forget to tape your waitress. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Definitely go check it out. And we have one last thing to talk about before we call it a night. Uh, the Killing of a Sacred Deer. This, this is the movie that, this is the mini review that Maverick has been waiting patiently for. Um, we've, we finally watched this one last night and Will, you saw it apparently back in October. Yeah, I actually, I think I counted this one for my 31 days of horror marathon, but yeah, I saw this one back in October and during like a morning screening of all times. Uh, we should point out, this is the first Yorgos Lanthimos film that Maverick has ever seen. That is correct. Nice. John um, had to pause it and go... So this is why you're confused right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, Mav, here's the deal. Um, yeah, so the film, it stars uh, Colin Farrell, Nicole Kidman, Barry Kogan, Rafi Cassidy, and Alicia Silverstone, a few others. And it's technically based on a Greek play. Um, and that's all I really want to say. Uh, all three of us have seen this. Well, We're not going to give it like a full review, yeah. but it's from A24. 
Um, it's a solid two hour flick and it's horror, I guess. Would you call it horror, Will? It's qualified as a horror movie. But it feels more like a but, psychological uh, I, thriller to me. Yeah, I was going to say it's more of like a psychological drama. But yeah, I'd say like uh, horror slash thriller, it, it, it fits somewhere in there. It, it's really kind of its own thing. So I, I find it hard to categorize it in one specific term. But I mean, if someone were to call it a horror movie, I, I wouldn't tell them otherwise. I'd call them a liar. Uh, Maverick Hines. Just tell them right to our face. <laughs> Maverick Hines, we haven't heard from you in a, in a little bit. Uh, what did you think of Killing of a Sacred Deer? I, I don't even want to give a synopsis, really. It's just... I, I'm still like... I just don't know. It, it's one of those ones that is just such a... Still... Uh, yeah, I think... Still reeling from yeah, it? Yeah, it's just like... Because as I'm watching it, I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, I just like, and not in like, not in a way where like the, the right. movie is doing bad at telling the story or anything like that. It's just like, it's such a unique experience and such a unique story um, that it's just a lot to process because it, it's so, it's an art movie, right? So it's just so artistically done that you're just like, whoa. You know, a lot of like, allegory to it. Yeah. yeah there's I, a lot of lore kind of hidden in it too. It. And um so you know as you're watching it, it i was just constantly like what what why is this like what and but like in a really good way you know and i what i liked about this movie is that it was challenging um but it's not like your normal thriller right it, it, it's like john said like yeah it's technically classified as a horror movie but not in any way that you would have ever considered a horror movie right like because that's i knew it was technically one going into it and nothing even comes at night Nothing even comes... Don't even get me started. <laughs> Man. Um, but anyway, um, I really, really, really enjoy this movie. And I want to watch it again. Um, now that I kind of understand this world of the director's... You know, kind of like how he... Like John said, like it's just a different rule book than from what we're used to seeing and stuff, right? With this, the way the director does the movies. And maybe I should watch The Lobster and what was the other one? Dog, Dog Tooth. Tooth. So maybe I should watch those. One of two. my favorite comedies of the past decade. Um Maybe watching those will help me get more from this movie. But I just thought it was so cool that it's just so different. And I'm trying not to give too much away from it, even though I know it's been out for a while. Um, but I just, I like the way that they tell, because I feel like we've seen movies before with a similar story, this kind of revenge thriller thing going on. But this was just so unique um, and so dark. And I will say that the soundtrack is perfect for what this movie right. does. I, I mean... It kind of reminded me of um, the Shining's soundtrack. How like the Shining mm-hmm. was like ninety percent like our music's gonna make you feel weird, right? And and the movie, the, you know, the Killing of Sacred Deer really, really does that. I feel too. weird right now. Yeah, no, honestly, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the the soundtrack in this movie does an, just an excellent job of building tension without giving away when things are going to happen. I was um, actually turning the volume down in certain parts. Me. That is, it was really funny because I told John this was going to happen too. He turned the TV up to literally a hundred. He's like, I'm going to need to hear this. And then three seconds into the movie, he was like, all right, let's okay, back down. <laughs> he went back down to like 73, uh, which was really, for funny. those of you who don't know, I have hearing problems. That's why. Yep. That's as simple as you can uh, stay. I will say, speaking of the opening, if you uh, are really uh, weirded out by uh, really graphic surgery scenes, you, <laughs> I don't uh, feel like it's. Not, you might I don't feel f- like it's that graphic. Like it's not more graphic well, than I, like I a, heard uh, like an episode of Grey's Anatomy. It's not or like a chest cavity is just in your face for five extended well, minutes. Uh, the reason I bring that up is because 
one of my friends, I guess when they went to see Justice League, they uh, accidentally played the wrong movie. They played the opening of A Killing of a Sacred Deer, so like a lot of kids were in the audience, uh, and then just that opening comes that on. That is hilarious. Yeah, and I, I thought that was really fun. Like, I, guess, I think she was kind Sometimes of disturbed Sometimes you just got That is the best prank but I thought that was really time. funny, yeah. <laughs> There's like, what's this movie with like a heart? Jeez, who was, the, pro- who was the projectionist, Tyler Durden? Like, come on. I don't know. I mean, like, I always think about that stuff because like, I work in a theater now, and I ask them, like, because like, I hear about those stories, like, you know, like... They're supposed to play like hoodwinked or whatever, and they put on the Hills of Eyes too or whatever. And it's like, how is this happening? Because it's all like machine now. You like press a button and stuff. It's not like actual film reels for the most part. But like he was like, yeah, usually if like you do that, it's like you're doing that on purpose because like not that hard to like screw up like that thing. So I don't know. I mean, I never know how those things. Maybe it's just like, like it's easier to screw up a- like the 3D because you can you can make the setting not 3D pretty easily. Right. But yeah, a completely different movie. Like there's a whole process to like putting those, you get like a certain hard drive and you have to put it onto the, the machine. Like it, it takes a lot of, a series of ridiculous mistakes for that to happen. Right. It's so like, I don't, I mean, maybe just people are like overworked or just lazy or what. I, I don't know. I never know how that stuff happens, but yeah. So, but I mean, if that's the case and they have a really <laughs> sick sense of humor and they probably like killing of a sacred deer so i'll just say i'm not uh, the biggest lanthimus fan I'll, I'll watch any movie he puts out because i appreciate his weirdness his quirkiness he makes movies that i fully appreciate i just don't fully love them they're not for me really uh so i, I didn't love the lobster as much either but and i'm kind of on the same page with this one I, the the big difference i i like a lobster a little bit more because at least that one was a bit funnier this movie isn't really funny it's just sort of like it has some really funny moments. I don't know. I, a couple, but like... My daughter started menstruating today. Oh, my gosh. That uh, line cracked I'll, me up I'll, more than most comics. There's a speech that he year. gives his son, though, about... Oh, my God. Oh. I can't even... I can't... Can we do like a quick spoiler thing? No, let's not. Um, that's Killing of a Sacred Deer. It's a weird movie. Uh, I, I'm going to give it, this. I think, the same grade I gave The Lobster. I, for me, it's a B... I, I don't love it, but it's it, it, you got it. You got to appreciate Lanthimos. Like he just he, he nobody makes him like he does, and like he he puts a lot of care and attention to his films. There's a lot to like unpack, and there's always something beneath the surface. It's just for me. Whenever I d- dig into it, I'm just never that impressed, and I'm kind of that way with this one. Hmm. For me, it's like I'm gonna give it a B plus, A minus area, and most of it is coming from the fact that I just appreciate that this director is doing something different and something that yeah. is different in a way that's not repulsive, right? Like it's not, Oh, well that was really, really bad, but he tried something. Uh, yeah. Different. The European provocation where it's just, yeah. yeah being just, provocative just, for the sake of it. Yeah. It's just, you know, I think, I think, uh, what was his name? I can't remember the director's name. Yorgos Yorgos I'm not even going to try that guy. What I, I think what he's doing with this one. And I'm actually very excited to see, you know, dog tooth and lobster. Now it's just cool. I really like these kind of weird. I think it's his best film. Yeah. I I really like these kind of weird arty artsy kind of films. So it's, I think it's really cool, but I think it's definitely for like a specific kind of, uh, movie goer. Yeah. I actually, uh, I I think when I came out of theater, I gave a B plus, but the more of a mold on it, I I am really an A minus on this film. I, I don't think it's quite as good as dog tooth or, the lobster, but it's not far behind it, in my opinion. It's yeah. I I, I also I, I want to give special props to what's Barry Barry um, Cogan. What's his last name? He gives I think one of the best performances of the year. I think his work. Is I love him phenomenal. in this. Yeah, 
and he's going to get overlooked probably for best supporting actor, but she shouldn't. I've, uh, I don't know. I remember, I think, uh, Melania Lineski, like she doesn't, I don't think she tweets that much, but she sounded like a tweet as I said, like every actor I know, like the performance they're talking about this year is this one. And, uh, I can see where she's coming from. This is like, it's, it's not like a showy performance necessarily, what? but the moments he does, like, I will say, do not eat spaghetti while you watch this movie. Oh, geez, yeah. Uh, there's a scene where it'll kind of repulse you on spaghetti and not the ways you think. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, definitely like this movie. I don't know. I don't know if it's in my top 10 or not, but it's definitely in my top 15 right now. And Kidman, we should say, uh, yeah, she's great. Well, and Colin definitely too, pretty yeah. great in this and yeah, for sure. But uh, I like how both. I, well, I like how uh, Maverick threw like a rating grenade. It's like it's in the B plus A minus area. You know, <laughs> like well, there's some. I mean, considering he just and, saw it, I mean that's where I yeah, was. John, when gotta, I saw well, you got to personally attack me. I got to. I got to grade slam you. I'm sorry, or grade slam, grade shame you. I hate you. But uh, yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, it, this is a really weird one to start off on Yorgos's filmography. Yeah. But yeah, yeah definitely check out. Uh, Definitely Dogtooth. I'd really recommend Lobster. I also like, he made a movie called Alps, which isn't quite as good as the other ones, but it's pretty good too if you want to do a full dive into his filmography. But definitely Dogtooth is one to see. So, yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it then for our mini reviews. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, real quick, for we're, we're still figuring out how we're going to be doing episodes over the holiday. We're sending you guys a bonus episode for Christmas. It, somebody did ask us in the comments, um, it is not going to be a Christmas special. Uh, it's going to be a fun bonus episode we did with our friend Sam Noland. So uh, keep your ears peeled for that one. And uh, some other films are going to be coming out pretty soon. Uh, that I don't know when we're going to talk about them, but hopefully we'll talk about them uh, in a timely manner. But Downsizing is coming out. Uh, I don't, I don't have any intention of seeing father figures or pitch perfect three. I don't know if Will is going to, um, well, that's the thing yesterday I had a schedule. There was a schedule there. There was screening scheduled for father figures, pitch perfect three and downsizing all the same day at the same mm-hmm. time. And I ended up going to downsizing, but we had waited there for like 90 minutes only for the projections to be like, yeah, the movie's not playing. So we just went home. Gotcha. So I end up not seeing any of them. But uh, yeah, I, I have no real interest in father figures. And I am not a fan of the Pitch Perfect movies. So, And I've heard the new one is even worse than 2, which I can't possibly imagine. <laughs> I thought 2 was really bad. Yeah. But, well, uh, well yeah. when we get back from the holidays, we'll for sure be talking about Molly's Game and hopefully all the money in the world, Phantom Thread. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to go into more detail about The Post, um, which we've only talked a little bit about. And uh, maybe a couple other films along the way. But until then, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to all of you Cinemaholics listeners, whatever holiday you celebrate this season. Hope it's a good one. And uh, hopefully uh, hopefully we can be a fun companion for you on your holiday travels. And, uh, and you know, give the gift of Cinemaholics. You know? I don't know how you can even do that. But uh, yeah, tell your friends about the show. Uh, thank you so much for an amazing year. I don't know if we're going to be coming out with something again um, before 2018, just in case we don't. Uh, it has been a fantastic 11 months because we started in February, but we were doing test episodes in January. And uh, thank you, all of you who stuck with us. If you've been listening to Cinemaholics since episode one, the week that it came out, we do want to hear from you uh, when we start doing our like 
we're, we're going to do some fun stuff for like leading into the new year. So hit us up because we want to hear from you. And uh, and if you started yeah. listening when the show really started, which is when I joined. <laughs> what was that? I want to uh, hear from my the Kong Skull Island episode. I want to say I, it was yeah, the one after that. You, I was well, on the Kong, Kong one. Oh, maybe you're right. Well, yeah. I know was, we talked about were, uh, Jack or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to say I was like a guest. I wasn't you, a part of the show yet, though. Mm. Yeah, you were you were a producer at that point. But Still then are. Samurai Jack was when you first talked, and then you kept talking until then. So. Yeah, in a good way, of course. But yeah, once again, uh, happy holidays to all of you, Cinema Hogs listeners. That'll do it for us this week from the Internet, California. I am John Agroni. From the Internet, Pennsylvania, I am Will Ash. And from the broadband basement, but during Christmas, I'm Maverick Hines. Oh wow! See you next time.